Warning, the following episode of The Bliss Life Podcast contains coarse language and content that some casters may find offensive. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, any of the music and samples used in this episode, I do not have the rights to, and it is being used for strictly entertainment purposes only. Lastly, Ryan Masters, thank you so much for getting behind me to put this episode out. You're appreciated more than you know. With that being said, let's get to this. You don't get freedom peacefully. Freedom is never uh, safeguarded peacefully. Anyone who is depriving you of freedom isn't deserving of, an, of a peaceful approach uh, by the ones who are being deprived of their freedom. Welcome to the Bliss Life Podcast, the best living inspired soul show. My name is Roland Waithe, your host. Join me for inspired soul conversations, motivational hacks, and best living practices to help you capture the bliss you've been seeking in your life. Thank you for taking the time to spend with me. Your soul thanks you. I thank you. Join me on the other side for a soul reboot. Control alternate delete. The crime seemed to make no sense. A young couple, just engaged, shot dead in a car in a luxury condo complex in Irvine, one of the least violent cities in America. While police search for a motive and suspect, news reports focus on the unusual biographies. Monica Kwan, 28, was a college basketball coach. Keith Lawrence, 27, was a public safety officer at USC. They met through basketball and were both popular and outgoing. Who would want to murder them? On this episode of the Bliss Life Podcast, we will examine the sequence of events that led to the deaths of Keith and Monica by examining the manifesto of their killer, former police officer Christopher Dorner, who paid the ultimate price for justice and equality. We will seek to gain insight on his motivation from the words of the man himself to determine what was the straw that broke the camel's back. What triggered him to go on a murderous rampage? How could this be relevant to Bliss? Anyone who creates a manifesto knows the difference between good and bad, right and wrong, and has reached a point of mental serenity that is elusive to most people. What can we learn from this soldier who took justice into his own hands? Join me as we go behind the blue line to look at policing from a good cop who killed for justice he felt he deserved. As usual, stay tuned until the end for my final thoughts as well as insights on the manifesto of Christopher Dorner. However, before we get into the manifesto, I need to provide you with a backstory so that you will have context to comprehend the manifesto. Join me in my time machine. Let's take a trip back to 2013. Let's go in. 
The hunt for a killer began Super Bowl Sunday, the evening of February 3rd, 2013. For Christopher Jordan Dorner, the hunt began long before. For weeks, months, or perhaps years, he had harbored grudges, amassed weapons, and made plans. He also written an 11,000-word Facebook post that served as enemies list, legal brief, extortion note, hit list, memoir, and suicide note. The roots of the violence stretched over a lifetime of slights and losses in his telling. A racial slur hurled at him at a playground in first grade. The high school assistant principal who lied about a stolen watch. The officers who lied about an internal investigation. The police department that wronged and fired him. The courts that rejected his appeals. The world first heard Dorner's name the evening of February 6, 2013 when Irvine police announced the 33-year-old former Los Angeles Police Department officer was the suspect in the double slaying. Quan, one of the victims, was the daughter of a former LAPD captain who represented Dorner before his 2009 firing. The Facebook post, which quickly became known as Dorner's Manifesto, became public that same night. Dorner's threat to murder LAPD police officers and their family, along with anyone else who got in the way, sparked a manhunt and protection blanket the likes of which no one could remember. Less than a week later, it would all be over. In the meantime, two more innocent people were dead, at least five people were injured, and a region was terrorized. Former Los Angeles police officer Christopher Dorner shocked the world when he took up arms against ex-colleagues and their family. After a nine-day manhunt, the college graduate was cornered and died in a remote cabin. It ended as surely as he knew it would, alone, besieged, a blaze consuming the walls around him. After the fires subsided, his former comrades found the charred remains of Christopher Dorner, ex-police officer, U.S. Navy veteran, college graduate, and suspected mass killer with a single bullet lodged in his skull. For nine days, he brought terror to Southern California as he pursued a vendetta against his one-time colleagues in the Los Angeles Police Department and their families. Dorner has been both vilified and lionized. The fact remains that he killed four people because he felt personally aggrieved. The fact also remains that his case prompted soul-searching within the department, and a report issued months later found widespread concern within the LAPD that the internal disciplinary process was inconsistent and discriminated based on gender, race, and rank. The police response to Dorner's attack also raised some concerns about the reckless use of deadly force. At one point during the manhunt for Dorner, eight LAPD officers shot up a pickup truck from behind in Torrance, injuring the mother and daughter inside who were delivering newspapers. The officers were not charged, although the city quickly settled the lawsuit filed by the two women for $4.2 million. At almost the same time, two Torrance cops rammed the pickup truck driven by another civilian with one of the officers opening fire on the driver. The driver was not hit, but was injured in the crash. 
the officer who opened fire was not charged. Nobody would argue that randomly killing police officers and their family members or friends is justified, but I think that there is good reason to suspect that the things that Dorner claims that set him off, such as being fired for reporting police brutality and then going through a rigged hearing, deserves serious consideration and investigation. Let's hear from the man himself in his own words. This is the manifesto of Christopher Dorner. I know most of you who personally know me are in disbelief to hear the media reports that I'm suspected of committing such horrendous murders and have taken drastic and shocking actions within the last couple of days. You're saying to yourself, this is completely out of character of a man you knew always wore a smile wherever he was seen. I know I will be vilified by the LAPD and the media. Unfortunately, this is a necessary evil that I do not enjoy but must partake and complete for substantial change to occur within the LAPD and reclaim my name. The department has not changed since the Rampart and Rodney King days. It has gotten worse. The consent decree should never have been lifted. The only thing that has evolved from the consent decree is those officers involved in the Rampart scandal and Rodney King incidents have since been promoted to supervisors, commanders, command staff, and executive positions. The question is, what will you do to clear your name? Name, a word or set of words by which a person, animal, place, or thing is known, addressed, or referred to. Name synonyms, repudiation, title, appeliation, denomination, and repute. A name is more than just a noun, verb, or adjective. It's your life, your legacy, your journey, sacrifices, and everything you've worked hard for every day of your life as an adolescent, young adult, and adult. Don't let anyone tarnish it when you know you've lived up to your own set of ethics and personal ethos. In August 2007, I reported Officer Teresa Evans for kicking a suspect while I was assigned as a patrol officer at LAPD's Harbor Division. While cuffing the suspect, Christopher Gettler, Evans kicked the suspect twice in the chest and once in the face. The kick to the face left a visible injury on the left cheek below the eye. Unfortunately, after reporting it to supervisors and investigated by PSB, Internal Affairs Investigator Detective Filonova and Galagos, nothing was done. I had broken their supposed blue line. Unfortunately, it's not justice, it's just this. In fact, 10 months later, on June 25, 2008, after already successfully completing probation, acquiring a basic post certificate and intermediate post certificate, I was relieved of duty by the LAPD while assigned to patrol at Southwest Division. It's clear as day that the department retaliated toward me for reporting evidence for kicking Mr. Christopher Gettler. The department stated that I had lied and made up the report that Evans had kicked the suspect. I later went to the Board of Rights Department hearing for decision of continued employment from October 2008 to January 2009. During this Board of Review hearing, a video was played for the Board of Review panel 
where Christopher Gettler stated that he was indeed kicked by Officer Evans. Video sent to multiple news agencies. In addition to Christopher Gettler stating he was kicked, his father, Richard Gettler, also stated that his son had stated that he was kicked by an officer when he was arrested after he was released from custody. This was all present for the department at the Board of Review hearing. They still found me guilty and terminated me. What they didn't mention was that the Board of Review panel was made up of Captain Phil Tangeris, Captain Justin Estenberg, and City Attorney Martella had a significant problem from the time the board was assembled. Captain Phil Tangeris was a personal friend of Teresa Evans from when she was her supervisor at Harbor Station. That is a clear conflict of interest and I made my argument for her removal and I was denied. The advocate for the LAPD Board of Review was Sergeant Anderson. Anderson also had a conflict of interest as she was Evans' friend and former partner from Harvard Division where they both worked on patrol. I made my argument for her removal when I discovered the relation to Evans and it was denied. During the border review hearing, the department attempted to label me unsuccessfully as a bully. They stated that I had bullied a recruit, Abraham Sheffries, in the academy when in reality an unfounded disposition from the official 1.28 form complaint investigation found that I was the one who stood up for Abraham Sheffries when other recruits sang Nazi Hitler youth songs about burning Jewish ghettos in World War II Germany, where his father was a survivor of a concentration camp. How fucking dare you attempt to label me as such a nasty, vile word. I ask that all earnest journalists investigate this story and ask Officer Abraham Sheffries about the incident when Officer Brutos began singing Nazi youth songs about burning Jewish ghettos. The internal affairs investigation in the academy involved Sheffries was spurned by a complaint that I had initiated towards two fellow recruits slash officers. While on assigned patrol footbeat in the Hollywood division, Officer Himilo Burdos V and Marlon Magneta, both current LAPD officers, decided that they would voice their personal feelings about the black community. While traveling back to the station in a 12-passenger van, I heard Magneta refer to another individual as a nigger. I wasn't sure if I heard correctly as there was many conversations in the van that was compiled of at least eight officers and he was sitting in the very rear and me in the very front. Even with the multiple conversations and ambient noise, I heard Officer Magneta call an individual a nigger again. Now that I confirmed it, I told Magneta not to use that word. I explained that it was a well-known offensive word that should not be used by anyone. He replied, I'll say it when I want to. Officer Budos, a friend of his, also stated that he would say the word nigger when he wanted. At that point, I jumped over my front seat and the two officers where I placed my hands around the neck of Brutos' neck and started to squeeze. I stated to Brutos, don't fucking say that. At that time, there was pushing and shoving and we were separated by several officers. What I should have done 
was put a Winchester Ranger SXT 9mm 147 grain bullet in his skull and Officer Magneta's skull as well. This situation could have been resolved effectively and immediately. The sad thing about this incident was that when Detective Tide from Internal Affairs investigated this incident only once, only one other officer that was in the van other than myself had made statements consistent of what really actually happened. The other six officers, John Carey, Gary Parker, Jacob Wakes, Abraham Sheffries, and names I've long forgotten, all stated they heard nothing and saw nothing. Shame on you. Shame on Detective Ty, same ethnicity as Bertos, for creating a separate 1.28 formal complaint against me in retaliation for initiating the complaint against Bertos and Magneta. Don't retaliate against honest officers for breaking your so-called blue line. I hope your son Ryan Ty, who I knew, is a better officer than you, Detective Ty. The saddest part of this ordeal was that Officer Bertels and Magneta were only given 22 day suspensions and are all still LAPD officers to this day. That day, LAPD stated that it is acceptable for fellow officers to call black officers niggers to their face and you will receive only a slap on the wrist. Even sadder is that during the 22 day suspension, Bertels and Magneta received what is called the LAPPL, Los Angeles Police Protective League, paid their salaries while they were suspended. When I took a suspension for an accidental discharge, I took my suspension and never applied for league salary. It's called integrity. Journalists, I want you to investigate every location I resided when I was growing up. Find any incident where I was ever accused of being a bully. You won't because it doesn't exist. It's not in my DNA. Never was. I was the only black kid in each of my elementary school classes from first grade to seventh grade, in junior high, and any instances where I was disciplined for fighting was in response to fellow students provoking common childhood schoolyard fights or calling me a nigger or other derogatory racial names. I grew up in neighborhoods where blacks made up less than 1%. My first recollection of racism was in the first grade at Norwalk Christian Elementary School in Norwalk, California. A fellow student, Jim Armstrong, if I can recall, called me a nigger on the playground. My response was swift and non-lethal. I struck him fast and hard with a kick and a punch. He cried and reported it to a teacher. The teacher reported it to the principal. The principal swatted Jim for using a derogatory word towards me. He then, for some unknown reason, swatted me for striking Jim in response to being called a nigger. He stated, as good Christians, we are to turn the other cheek as Jesus did. Problem is, I'm not a fucking Christian. And that old book, made out of fiction and limited nonfiction called the Bible, never stated Jesus was called a nigger. How dare you swat me for standing up for my rights for demanding that I be treated as an equal human being. That day, I made a life decision that I will not tolerate racial derogatory terms spoken to me. Unfortunately, I was swatted multiple times for the same reason up till the end of junior high, terminating me for telling the truth of a Caucasian officer kicking a mentally ill man is disgusting. Don't ever call me a fucking bully. 
I want all journalists to utilize every source you have that specialize in collections for your reports. With this discovery and evidence available, you will see the truth. Unfortunately, I will not be alive to see my name clear. That's what this is all about. My name. A man is nothing without a name. During the border review, an officer named Sergeant Hernandez from the Los Angeles Port Police testified on behalf of the LAPD. Hernandez stated for the border review that he arrived at the location of the arrest shortly before I cuffed the suspect. He also stated that he assisted me in cuffing the suspect and that he told the border review that he told me to fix my tie. All of those statements were lies. Hernandez, you arrived at the scene of the arrest 30 seconds after I cuffed Mr. Gettler. All you did was help me lift the suspect to his feet as it was difficult for me to do so by myself because of his weight. You did not tell me to fix my tie as the board of review members and everyone else in the room knows you lied because of the photographic evidence of the scene of the arrest where Gettler's injuries were photographed clearly shows me wearing a class B uniform on that day. A class B uniform is a short sleeve uniform blouse. A short sleeve uniform blouse for the LAPD does not include a tie. This is not a super troopers uniform, you jackass. Why did you feel the need to embellish and lie about your involvement in the arrest? Are you ashamed that you couldn't get hired by any other department than the poor police? Do you have delusions of grandeur? What you did was perjury. Exactly what Evans did when she stated that she did not kick Mr. Christopher Gettler. What they failed to mention in the board of review was Teresa Evans' own use of force history during her career on the LAPD. She has admitted that she has a lengthy use of force record and has been flagged several times by risk management. She has a very well-known nickname, Chupacabra, which she was very proud to flaunt around the division. She found it very funny and entertaining to draw blood from suspects and arrestees. At one point, she even intentionally ripped the flesh off the arm of a woman we had arrest for battery, spraying her neighbor with a garden water hose. Knowing the woman had thin elastic skin, she performed an Indian burn to the woman's arm after cuffing her. That woman was in her mid-70s, a mother and grandmother, and was angry at her tenants for failing to pay rent on time, something I completely understand and I'm sure many who have wanted to do towards tenants who do not pay their rent on time. Teresa Evans was also demoted from a senior lead officer position for performance issues. During my two months of working patrol with Teresa Evans, I found her as a woman who was very angry that she had been pulled from patrol for a short time because of a domestic violence report made by Long Beach Police Department because of an incident involving her active LAPD officer boyfriend, Dominic Flutes, and herself. Dominic Flutes is the same officer investigated for witness tampering. She also was visibly angry on a daily basis that she was going to have to file bankruptcy because of her ex-husband, a former LAPD officer and not Dominic Flutes, who had left the department and state and was nowhere to be found and had left her with a tax bill and debt that she was unable to pay because of lack of financial means. Evans, you are a piece of shit. And you lied right to the board of review panel when Randy Kwan asked you if you kicked Christopher Gettler. You destroyed my life and name because of your actions. Time is up. The time is now to confess to Chief Beck. I ask that all journalists investigating the story submit a request with the LAPD to gain access to the Board of Review transcripts, which occurred from 
October 2008 to February 2009. There you'll see a video was played for the Board of Review members of Christopher Gettler, who suffers from schizophrenia and dementia, stating that he was kicked by a female officer. That video evidence supports my claim that Evans kicked him twice in the upper body and once in the face. I would like all journalists to also request copies of all reports I had written while employed at the LAPD, whether in the academy or during my three years as a police officer. There are DRs attached to each report that I have written so that all exists. A request will most likely be needed to access these at Parker Center or at the personal records. Judge my written and grammar skills for yourself. The department attempted to paint me as an officer who could not write reports. Even though Sergeant Joel Samana, a training officer who trained me, stated for the Board of Review that there was nothing wrong with my report writing and that I was a better than all of the rookies probationer officers he had ever trained. Officer David Drew stated the same but refused to testify as he did not want to get involved with the border review. Contact Sergeant Donald Deming, now Captain at Landmark PD, Sergeant Thaddeus Falk and Sergeant Ed Clark all will write and state that my report writing was impeccable. I tell you this, I always type my reports because I have a messy handwriting and penmanship. I never had a single kickback or redline report at Southwest Divisions and Sergeant Falk and Sergeant Clark can testify to that. I never received an unsatisfactory on any day of the week. The same can be said with the U.S. Naval Reserves. All commanders will state that my report writing was always clear, concise, and impeccable. Even search my after-action reports, memorandums, intelligence information reports, which were all written in the Navy, all were pristine. I had worked patrol at the LAPD Harbor Division from February 2006 until July 2006, when I was involuntary recall back to active duty as a U.S. Navy for 12 months mobilization deployment to St. Carmen support. I returned back to the LAPD Harbor Division on July 2007 and immediately returned to patrol. I worked at Harbor Division until November 2007, where I was then transferred to Southwest Division. I worked at Southwest Division until June 25, 2008, when I was relieved of duty. I have exhausted all available means of attaining my name back. I have attempted all legal court efforts within appeals at Superior Courts and California Appellate Courts. This is my last resort. The LAPD has suppressed the truth and now it has led to deadly consequences. The LAPD's actions have cost me my law enforcement career that began on February 7, 2005 and ended on January 2, 2009. They cost me my naval career, which started on April 2002 and ended on February 2013. I had a top-secret, sensitive, compartmentalized information clearance up to shortly after my termination with the LAPD. This is the highest clearance a service member can attain other than a Yankee White top secret sensitive compartmentalized information clearance, which is only granted to those who work with and around the President and Vice President of the United States. I lost my position as a commanding officer of a Naval Security Force Reserve Unit at NAS Falcon because of the LAPD. I've lost a relationship with my mother and sister because of the LAPD.
I've lost a relationship with close friends because of the LAPD. In essence, I've lost everything because of the LAPD. They took my name and knew I was innocent. Captain Phil Tangeris, Captain Justin Esterberg, Martella, Randy Kwan, and Sergeant Anderson all knew I was innocent, but they decided to terminate me so they could continue Officer Teresa Evans' career. I know about the meeting between all of you and Evans' attorney, Rico, confessed that she kicked Christopher Gettler. Your day has come. I'm not an aspiring rapper. I'm not a gang member. I'm not a dope dealer. I don't have multiple baby mamas. I am American by choice. I am a son. I am a brother. I am a military service member. I am a man who has lost complete faith in the system when the system betrayed, slandered, and libeled me. I live a good life, and though not a religious man, I always stuck to my own personal code of ethics, ethos, and always stuck to my shoreline and true north. I didn't need the U.S. Navy to instill honor, courage, and commitment in me, but I thanked them. It's in my DNA. Luckily, I don't have to live every day like most of you, concerned if the misconduct you are part of is going to be discovered. Looking over your shoulder, scurrying at every phone call from internal affairs or for the captain's office, wondering if this is the day that the police service board comes after you for the suspects you struck when they were in cuffs months, years ago, or that $500 you pocketed from the narcotics dealer, or when the other guys on your watch beat that transient nearly to death and you never reported the arrest to a supervisor. Nope, I don't have that concern. I stood up for what was right but unfortunately have, pit, have to deal with the repercussions of doing the right thing and now losing my name and everything I ever stood for. You fuckers knew Evans was guilty of kicking Gettler and you did nothing to get rid of what you saw was the problem, the whistleblower. Gettler himself stated on videotape provided for the border review and in transcript, he, he was kicked and even his father stated that his son said that he was kicked by Evans when he was released from custody. The video was played for the entire board of review to hear. Tangiris, Estenberg, and Martella, all you heard it. You're going to see what a whistleblower can do when you take everything from him, especially his name. Look what you did to Sergeant Gavin, now Lieutenant, when he exposed the truth of your lying, racism, and police service board cover-ups to frame and convict an innocent man. You cannot police yourselves, and the consent degree was unsuccessful. Sergeant Gravin, I met you at the range several times as a recruit and as an officer. You're a good man, and I saw it in your eyes and actions. Self-preservation is no longer important to me. I do not fear death, as I died long ago, January 2nd, 2009. I was told by my mother that sometimes bad things happen to good people. I refuse to accept that. From February 2005 to January 2009, I saw some of the most vile things humans can inflict on others as a police officer in Los Angeles. Unfortunately, it wasn't in the streets of LA. It was in the confounds of the LAPD stations and cruisers. The enemy combatants in L.A. are not the citizens and suspects. It's the police officers. People who live in glass houses should not throw stones. How ironic that you utilize a fixed glass structure as your command HQ. You use this luminous building to symbolize that you are transparent, have nothing to hide or suppress, when in essence concealing, omitting, 
and obstruction is your forte. Chief Beck, this is when you need to have that come to Jesus talk with Sergeant Evans and everyone else involved in the conspiracy to have me terminated for doing the right thing. You need to speak with her attorney, Rico, and his conversation with the Board of Review members and her confession of guilt in kicking Mr. Christopher Gettler. I'll be waiting for a public response at a press conference. When the truth comes out, the killing stops. Why didn't you charge me for filing a false police report when I came forward stating that Evans kicked Mr. Christopher Gettler? You filed criminal charges against every other officer who is accused of and terminated for filing false police reports. You didn't because you knew I was innocent and a criminal court would find me innocent and expose your department for suppressing the truth and retaliation. That's why. The attacks will stop when the department states the truth about my innocence publicly. I will not accept any type of currency, goods in exchange for the attacks to stop, nor do I want it. I want my name back, period. There's no negotiation. This department has not changed from the Daryl Gates and Mark Furman days. Those officers are still employed and have all been promoted to command staff and supervisory positions. I will correct this error. Are you aware that an officer, a rookie probationer at the time seen on the Rodney King videotape striking Mr. King multiple times with a baton on March 3rd, 1991, is still employed by the LAPD and is now a captain on the police department? Captain Ronaldo Sonato is now the commanding officer of the LAPD police station, West LA Division. As a commanding officer, he's now responsible for over 200 officers. Do you trust him to enforce department policy and investigate use of force investigation on arrestees by his officers? Are you aware Evans has since been promoted to sergeant after kicking Mr. Gettler in the face? Oh, you violated a citizen's civil rights. We will promote you. Same as LAPD did with the officers from the Metro involved in the May Day melee at MacArthur Park. They promoted them to sergeant, a supervisory role. No one is saying you can't be a prejudice or a bigot. We are all humans and hold prejudice. If you state that you don't have prejudices, you're lying. But when you act on it and victimize innocent citizens and fellow innocent officers, that's a concern. For you officers who do the job in the name of justice, those of you who lost honest officers to this event, look at the name of those on the board of review and the investigating officers from the police service board and Evans and ask them, how come you couldn't tell the truth? Why did you terminate an honest officer and cover for a dishonest officer who victimized a mentally ill citizen? Sometimes humans feel the need to prove they're the dominant race and species and they inadvertently take kindness for weakness from another individual. You chose wrong. Terminating officers because they expose a culture of lying, racism, and excessive use of force will immediately change. Police service board cannot police their own and that has been proven. The blue line will forever be severed and a cultural change will be implanted. You have awoken a sleeping giant. I'm here to change and make policy. The culture of the LAPD versus the community and honest good officers needs to and will change. I'm here to correct and calibrate your moral compass to true north. Those Caucasian officers who joined South 
Bureau Division with the sole intent to victimize minorities who are uneducated and unaware of criminal law, civil law, and civil rights. You prefer South Bureau because a use of force, deadly force, is likely and the individual you use a force on will likely not report it. You are a high-value target. Those black officers in supervisory ranks and pay grades who stay in the South Bureau, even though you live in the Valley or OC, for the sole intent of getting retribution towards subordinate Caucasian officers for the pain and hostile work environment their elders inflicted on you as probationers, P1s, and novice P2s, you are a high-value target. You perpetuate the cycle of racism in the department as well. You breed a new generation of bigoted Caucasian officers when you belittle them and treat them unfairly. Those Hispanic officers who victimize their own ethnicity because they are new immigrants to this country and are unaware of their civil rights. You call them wetbacks to their face and demean them in front of your fellow officers of a different ethnicity so that you will receive some sort of acceptance from your colleagues. I'm not impressed. Most likely, your parents or grandparents were immigrants at one time, but you've forgotten that. You are a high-value target. Those lesbian officers in supervisory positions who go to work day in and day out with the sole intent of attempting to prove misandrinous authority to degrade male officers. You are a high-value target. Those Asian officers who stand by and observe everything I previously mentioned other officers participate in on a daily basis, but say nothing, stand for nothing, and protect nothing. Why? Because of your usual saying, I don't like conflict? You are a high-value target as well. Those of you who go along just to get along, have no backbone, and destroy the foundation of courage, you are the enablers of those who are guilty of misconduct. You are just as guilty as those who break the code of ethics and oath you swore. Citizens, non-combatants, do not render medical aid to down officers, enemy combatants. They would not do the same for you. They would let you bleed out so they can brag to their other officers that they had a 187 Kappa the other day and can't wait to accrue the overtime and future court subpoenas. As they always say, that's the paramedic job, not mine. Let the balance of loss of life take place. Sometimes a reset needs to occur. It is endless the amount of times per week officers arrest an individual, label him a suspect, arrestee, defendant, and then before arraignment or trial realize that he is innocent based on evidence. You know what they say when they realize an innocent man just had his life turned upside down? I guess he should have stayed at home that day he was discovered walking down the street and matching the suspect's description. Oh well, he appeared to be a dirtbag anyways. Meanwhile, the falsely accused is left to pick up his life, get a new family, friends, and self-worth. Don't honor those fallen officers, dirtbags. When your family members die, they just see you as an extra overtime at a crime scene and at the perimeter. Why would you value their lives when they clearly don't value yours or your family member's life. I've heard many officers who state that they see dead victims as ATVs, wave runners, RVs, and new clothes for their kids. Why would you shed a tear for them when they in return crack a smile for your loss because of their impending extra money they will receive in their paychecks for sitting 
at your loved one's crime scene for six hours because of the overtime they will occur. They take photographs of your loved one's recently deceased bodies with their cell phones and play a game of who has the most graphic dead body of the night with officers from other divisions. This isn't the 20-year-old something officers. This is the 50-year-old officers with significant time on the job as well who participate in this. Your fellow officer, Tatiana Severos, to attempt to hack my credit union account and still remain on the job even when Detective Zoletsi shown the evidence that the IP provided by the LAPFCU that attempted to hack into my account and change my username and password leads directly to your residence. You even allowed this visibly disgusting looking officer to stay on the job when she perjures lies in court to the judge faces and denies hacking into my personal credit union online account when I attempted to get my restraining order extended. Detective Zolitz proved the evidence and you still do nothing? How do you know when a police officer is lying? Well, when he begins the sentence with this sentence, based on my training and experience. No one grows up and wants to be a cop killer. It's against everything I ever was. As a young police explorer, I found my calling in life. But as a young police officer, I found that the violent suspects on the street are not the only people you have to watch. It's the officers who were hired onto the department pre-2000s, before polygraphs were standard for all new hires and a substantial vetting in the background investigation. To those children of those officers who were eradicated. Your parents were not the individuals you thought they were. As you get older, you will see the evidence that your parents were tyrants who lost their ethos and instead followed the path of moral corruptedness. They conspired to hide and suppress the truth of misconduct of, on others' behalf. Your parents will have a name and a plaque on the fallen officer's memorial in D.C., but in all honesty, your parents' names will be remembered to the other officers to maintain the oath they swore and to stay along the shoreline that has guided them from childhood to that of the local, state, federal, and law enforcement officer. Batten, Beck, Haynes, Tangeris, Estenberg, Martella, Quan, Evans, Hernandez, Villanova, Galagos, and Anderson, your lack of ethics and conspiring to wrong a just individual are over. Suppressing the truth will lead to deadly consequences for you and your family. There will be an element of surprise where you work, live, eat, and sleep. I will use intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance at your home, workplace, and all other locations in between. I will use the internet to discover your residence, your spouse's workplace, and children's schools and to coordinate attacks on your fixed locations. It's amazing what you can find on the internet, and I will utilize it to collect personal schedules of targets. I have never had the opportunity to have a family of my own. I'm terminating yours. Quan, Anderson, Evans, and the Board of Review members, look your wives, husbands, and surviving children directly in the face and tell them the truth as to why your children are dead. 
Never allow an LAPPL union attorney to retire an LAPD captain. Quan, he doesn't work for you, your interests, or your name. He works for the department, period. His job is to protect the department from civil lawsuits being filed and their best interests, which is the almighty dollar. His loyalty is to the department, not his client. Even when he knowingly knows you're innocent and the Board of Review also knows you are innocent after Christopher Getlis stated on videotape that he was kicked and Evans' attorney confessed to the Board of Review off the record that she kicked Gettler. The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. This quote is not directed towards the U.S. government, which I fully support 100%. This is towards the LAPD, who cannot monitor itself. The consent decree should never have been lifted, ever. I know your tactics, techniques, and procedures. Any threat assessment you generate will be useless. This is simple. I know your tactics. I will mitigate any of your attempts at preservation. I will mitigate all risks, threats, and hazards. I assure you that the incident command post will be a target-rich environment. KMA367 license plate frames are great targets and indicators and make target selection even easier. I will conduct operations to destroy, exploit, and seize designated targets. If successful or unable to meet my objectives in these initial small-scale offensive actions, I will reassess, reattack until objectives are met. I have nothing to lose. My personal casualty means nothing. You cannot prevail against an enemy combatant who has nothing to fear. An enemy who embraces death is a lose-lose situation for their enemy combatants. Hopefully, you will analyze what you have done and do your homework. You are aware that I have always been a top shot, highest score, and expert rifle qualifications in every unit I've been in. I'll be utilized every bit of small arms training, demolition, ordinance, and survival training I've been given. Whatever pre-planned responses you have established for a scenario like me, shelve it. Whatever contingency plan you have, shelve it. Whatever tactical plan you've created, shelve it. I am the walking extinction circumstances with no off or reset button. Department of Justice, FBI, and other local law enforcements can't assist and should not involve themselves in a matter that does not concern them. For all other agencies, do not involve yourself in the capture or recover of me. Look at the big picture of this situation. The LAPD created this situation. I will harm no outside agency unless it's a deadly force situation. With today's budget and fiscal mess, you guys cannot afford to lose several officers in the line of duty. Plus, the other officers should not have to take on additional duties and responsibilities of dead officers. Think about your families outside the agency, chief and directors, outside agencies and individual officers on patrol. If you recognize my vehicle and confirm it is my vehicle through DMV warrant check, it behoves you to respond to dispatch that your query was for information purposes only. If you proceed with a traffic stop or attempt to notify other officers of my location or for backup, you will not live to see the Medal of Valor you are hoping to receive for your actions. Think before you attempt to intervene. You will not survive. 
Your family will receive the Medal of Valor posthumously. You will gather dust on a fireplace mantle for years. Then, one day, it will go in a shoebox with other memories. Your mother will lose a son or daughter. Your significant others will be left alone. But they will find someone else to fill your void in the future and make them just as happy. Your children, if you have them, will call someone else mommy or daddy. Don't be selfish. Your vest is only a level two. Think about it. No amount of intelligence can assist you in capturing me. I am off the grid. You better use your feet, tongue, and every available agency contractor to find me. I know your route and from home and to your division. I know your significant other's routine, your children's best friends and recess. I know your gym hours and routine. I assure you the casualty rate will be high. Because of that, no one will ever remember your name. You will be merely that guy who was killing action in the line of duty. This is exactly why Station 500 was created. Unfortunately, orphans will be making a comeback in the 21st century. If you had a well-regulated automatic weapons ban, this wouldn't happen. The time is now to reinstitute a ban that will save lives. Why does any sportsman need a 30-round magazine for hunting? Why does anyone need a suppressor? Why does anyone need an AR-15 rifle? This is the same small arms weapon systems utilized in eradicating Al-Qaeda and the Taliban and every enemy combatant since the Vietnam War. Don't give me this crap that is not a select fire or fully auto rifle. That's bullshit because troops who carry an M4 and M16 weapon system for combat outside the wire rarely use the select fire function when in contact with enemy combatants. The use of the select fire probably isn't even used 1% in combat. So in essence, the AR-15 semi-automatic rifle is the same as an M4 or M16. These do not need to be purchased as easily as walking into your local Walmart or striking the enter key on your keyboard to add to cart. All the firearms utilized in my activities are registered to me and were legally purchased at gun stores and private party transfers. All concealable weapons, pistols, were also legally registered in my name at police stations. Unfortunately, are you aware I obtained a class 3 weapons without a background check, completely legal, several times? I was able to use a trust account I created on Quicken Willmaker and a $10 notary charge at a mailbox to obtain them legally. Granted, I'm not a felon, nor do I have any misdemeanor convictions or active investigations against me on file. I can buy a farm when I want. But should I be able to purchase these class 3 weapons without a background check and just a $10 notary signature on a Quicken Willmaker program? The answer is no. I'm not even a resident of the state I purchased them in. Lock and Loaded just wanted money, so they will allow you to purchase class 3 weapons with just a notary trust and a military ID. Shame on you, Lock and Loaded. NFA and the ATF need new laws and policies that do not allow loopholes such as this. In the end, I hope you will realize that the smaller arms I utilize should not be accessed with the ease that I attained them. Who in their right mind needs a fucking silencer? Who needs a freaking SBR AR-15? No one. No more Virginia Tech, Columbine High School, Wisconsin Temple, Aurora Theater, Portland Malls, Tuscan Rally, Newtown Sandy Hook, whether by executive order or through bipartisan Congress, an assault weapons ban needs to be reinstituted.
period. Mia Farrell said it best. Gun control is no longer debatable. It's not a conversation. It's a moral mandate. Senator Feinstein, you're doing the right thing in leading the reinstitution of a national automatic weapons ban. Never again should any public official state that their prayers and thoughts are with the family. That's become cliche and meaningless. It's time for action. Let this be your legacy that you bestow to America. Do not be swayed by obstacles, antagonists, and naysayers. Remember the innocent children of Austin, Kent, Stockton, Fullerton, San Diego, Iowa City, Jonesburg, Columbine, Nickel Mines, Blacksburg, Springfield, Red Lake, Cardin, Aurora, and Newtown. Make sure this never happens again. In my cache, you'll find several small arms. In the cache, Bushmaster firearms, Remington precision rifles, and AAC suppressors. All of these small arms are manufactured by Sybris Freedom Group, the same company responsible for the Portland Mall shooting, Webster, New York, and Sandy Hook massacres. You disrespect the officer of the presidency and commander-in-chief. You call him Kenyan, Mongroid, half-African, Muslim, when in essence, you should just address him simply as president, the same as you did President George W. Bush and all those in the highest ranking positions of our land before him. You question his birth certificate, his educational and professional accomplishments, and his judo-Christian beliefs. You make disparaging comments about his dead parents. You never question the fact that the former opponent, the Honorable Senator John McCain, was not born in the Conquest, or that Bush had a C average in his undergrad, or the electoral candidate's children, Romney, that stated they wanted to punch the president in the face during debates with no formal repercussions. No one ever questioned the fact that the son just made a criminal threat towards the president. You call his wife a Wookiee. Off the record, I love your new bangs, Miss Obama. A woman whose professional and educational accomplishments are second to none when compared to recent first wives. You call his supporters, whether black, brown, yellow, or white, leeches, welfare recipients, and nigger lovers. You say this openly without discretion. Before you start with your argument that you believe I would vote for Obama because his skin is the same as mine, fuck you. I didn't vote in this last election as my choice of candidate, John Huntsman, didn't win the primary candidacy for his party. Mr. President, I haven't agreed with all of your decisions, but of course, I haven't agreed with all of your predecessors' decisions. I think you've done a hell of a job with what you have been dealt with and how you managed it. I shed a tear the night you were initially elected president in 2008. I never thought the day would come. A black man elected president in the U.S. in my lifetime. I cracked a smile when you were re-elected in the 2012 because I really didn't think you were going to pull that one off. Romney, stop being a sore loser. You could have exited graciously and still contributed significantly to the public service. Not now. Mr. President, get back to work. Many want to see you fail, as they have stated so many times previously. Unfortunately, if you fail, the U.S. fails, but your opponents do not concern themselves about the big picture. Do not forget your commitment to the transparency in your administration. Sometimes, I believe your administration forgets that. America, you will realize today and tomorrow that this world is made up of all human beings who have the same general needs and wants in life for themselves their kin, community, and state. 
This is the freedom to live and love. They may eat different foods, enjoy different music, have different dialects, or speak a second language, but in essence, are no different from you and I. This is America. We are not a perfect sovereign country as we have our own flaws, but we are the closest that will ever exist. Unfortunately, this is not the first time an authoritative figure has lied to me. Mr. Freed, assistant principal, Cypress High School. Remember when you lied to my mother and the police officer in your office about stating that you never stated to me in private conversation that you know the theft suspect Miranda who stole my watch? Let me refresh your memory. A physical education teacher assistant, a student, stole a list of combination codes to people's lockers from the PE teacher. That student then opened many of those lockers and stole students' personal property. My watch was taken in that multiple theft, and I reported it to you. A week later, you discovered that the theft suspect, Paul Miranda, a student, you stated to me in a private conversation that you know for a fact who stole my watch. When I attempted to retrieve my property from the suspect, campus security was called, and you lied and stated that you never stated to me that you knew who stole my watch. You sat there and lied to their faces right in front of me. You said it with such a deliberate, stern face. I never forgot that. And I wasn't surprised when 13 years later, I was lied on again in the border review by Teresa Evans. Maybe you can confess to your family at the very least in the privacy of your own home. After that, contact my mother and apologize for lying to her in 1996. If possible, I want my brain preserved for science research to study the effects of severe depression on an individual's brain. Since June 26, 2008, I was relieved of duty and January 2, 2009, when I was terminated, I've been afflicted with severe depression. I've had two CT scans during my lifetime that are in my medical record at Kaiser Permanent. Both are from concussions resulting from playing football. The first one was in high school in October 96. The second was in college and occurred in October 1999. Both were conducted at Kaiser Permanent Hospital in LA Orange County. These two CT scans should give you a good baseline for my brain activity before severe depression began in late 2008. Sure, many of you law enforcement experts and specialists will state, in all my years this is the worst. Stop. That's not important. Ask yourself, what would cause someone to take these drastic measures like I did? That's what's important. To my friends listed below, I wish we could have grown old together and spent time together. When you reminisce of our friendship and experience, think of that and only that. Do not dwell on my recent actions over the past few days. This was a necessary evil that had to be executed in order for me to obtain my name back. This is the only thing that changes policy and garners attention is death. Final thoughts. Before I get to my summary of this episode, I want you to listen to a leaked broadcast of a police scanner during the final moments of Chris Dorner's life. Listen carefully and draw your own conclusions. Like we talked about, seven burners 
deployed and we have a fire. Copy, seven burners deployed and we have a fire. Yes, you just heard that correctly. Police saying burn it down, fall through the burn order. I don't know about you, but it seems to me like the police set out to burn this man alive. But of course, that's not what the police department's saying. Check it out. I can tell you that it was not on purpose. We did not intentionally burn down that cabin to get Mr. Dorner out. The tear gas canisters that we used... First off, we used a presence when we showed up. Secondly, we used a cold tear gas. Then we used, sec the next tear gas was that that was uh, pyrotechnic. Does generate a lot of heat. Uh, we in introduced those canisters into the residence and a fire erupted. With the recent high profile incidents of police excessive use of force on Eric Gardner, Brianna Taylor, and George Floyd, it was definitely insightful to hear the perspective of Christopher Dorner. Through the majority of his life, Chris played by the rules and stood for justice. Only when the police system that he trusted failed to provide equal rights that Christopher Dorner deserved did he take justice into his own hands. Had the system worked honestly, Teresa Evans should have been fired and Christopher Dorner should have been promoted to chief and retired as captain. However, that's not the world we live in. I'm not saying that he's right, However, I do understand. Similar to the Las Vegas casinos, the house always wins. There was no chance an honest soul like Christopher Dorner could have thrived in a corrupt system of the Los Angeles Police Department. As the 1973 Al Pacino movie, Serpicchio, illustrated that the major problem with policing is an honest cop. That's why all of these calls for reform are pointless endeavors. The police department was created to protect rich white people and to capture slaves. Just because you make an apple pie from an apple that fell from a corrupt tree does not change the fact that it is what it is, an apple. We need a molecular reconstruction of the entire police system. In order to turn the racial thermostat down between people of color and the police, we need immediate drastic change. As every doctor requires insurance to practice medicines, cops should be required to have insurance. So if a cop does wrong during the line of duty, there's a financial penny and cancellation of their insurance for conduct unbecoming of a law officer. Also, police should live no more than 10 kilometers from the precinct they serve. Once they live in the community they serve, instantaneously they are held to a higher standard simply because they can now be held accountable by the community they swore to protect. Furthermore, there needs to be more mental health training as well as there should be mental health professionals that are trained to be police. Lastly, the Ku Klux Klan should be labeled as a terrorist organization. These changes are only the beginning. However, these changes can make a lasting difference between the police and the communities they serve. Never forget, we the people have the power to vote. If the people responsible for change do not do what they are elected to do, then we will peacefully protest and vote them out. So until next time, smile, laugh, and do something nice for the person you care about. Peace. I'm a young black man Doing all that I can To stand Oh, but when I look around and I see what's being done to my kind.
every day. I'm being haunted as prey. My people don't want no trouble. We've had enough struggle. I just want to live. God protect me. I just want to live. I just want to live.